to share with you this morning about fruit, the fruit of the presence of God in our lives. What happens in our lives when we live in the place of the presence. But before I do, I want to share a little bit about what some of the things that God is doing uh, around the world right now in Kaleo. We're seeing God move in incredible ways. I was just in Spain three weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like that. A while back, less than a month ago, I was in Spain, uh, graduated a new class of, of uh, missionaries that are being sent out there. It's an amazing program there in Madrid. The church, uh, Spain is one of the most, I think, one of the more difficult countries in Europe for the gospel. There's less than, they say, less than around 7,000 evangelical churches in the entire country. And so it's a big mission field. Uh, Abby and Manu, some of you remember them, they were sent out of Reynosa, went and planted the church there in Madrid, planted it in the middle of COVID, and God began to grow it, and uh, now they've got a building, and they've outgrown that building, they're going to go to two services, because they've filled up the building, they have life groups all throughout Madrid, uh, they have a new mission church in a place called Legonas, outside of Madrid, another town outside of Madrid, we went and did our first scouting trip to the south of Spain, to a town called Malaga, where we're believing God in the next year or two to be able to raise up a new church in Malaga. Because there's other, we have European missionaries, and uh, not just European, but Central and South American and even African, um, that it's a, I think there's like 17 different nations represented in their church. A very multicultural church, like we did three languages, <laughs> translated in like three languages. Uh, so there's a big potential to be able to send people out, not just all over throughout Spain, but also throughout Europe. So we're believing God that we're going to see a move of the Holy Spirit in Europe. Just came back from Canada. My wife and I came directly from there with our kids. Uh, we were, uh, the, Kaleo is planting a new church in Niagara Falls. You've heard of Niagara Falls? Well, there's a town that goes with it. Uh, some people didn't know that. I, I'll be honest, I didn't know that there was a town really called Niagara Falls. I thought that was just the name of the waterfall. Um, but there is a whole town called Niagara, a couple that named the Schillingbergs, they, a Canadian family that had served with us in Reynosa for a year. Um, they were praying. They thought they would maybe go somewhere in Central South America and or within Mexico, and the Lord spoke to them while they were there. You're supposed to move back and plant a Kaleo church in Canada. And so they, uh, we commissioned them, sent them out a few, uh, well, little, about a month ago, and they have now moved to Niagara, and they're planting a church there in Niagara. We have another couple out on the west coast of Canada, also in the process of planting a church, and we preached in different places throughout Canada. And I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit is just moving in incredible ways. God is moving in incredible ways. Yes, there's, there's challenges. Yes, there's opposition. But there's also an incredible move of what God is doing. The Bible college in Kenya has now is yielding a lot of fruit. Incredible things have happened. Um, we should be able to move to the next phase of building our mission school compound there. Uh, which is another building we needed to build to actually be able to have have uh, international missionary training institute. Where what we do in Reynosa, we're going to begin to do in Reynosa one year, and in Kenya the next. We're going to alternate it back and forth between Kenya and Mexico, and we're going to be able to start doing training for training. Uh, we already have training for indigenous missionaries, but we want to be able to train indigenous missionaries alongside internationals, and God willing. By November, we're going to have everything built to be able to start next year and have our first missionary training school there in Kenya and East Africa. 
The Holy Spirit is on the move. And God is doing incredible things. And I want to thank you, First Church, for being such a big part of what God is doing. In every single way. Thank you for the, just your heart of generosity. Uh, thank you for your heart of sowing in to what God is doing here locally, but also what God is doing in the nations. In Kaleo, I want to tell you personally, what we're seeing God do is a, is a great acceleration. There is a great move of the Holy Spirit, and this is just the beginning. I believe that there is about to be even more of a move of God that is about to just continue to increase from glory to glory. And I want to thank you, to each of you, thank you as a church for being part of this family, part of this movement of Kaleo. We love you guys. We're praying for you. Uh, the churches in Mexico and some of the other churches are doing a fast right now. And they're actually praying by name for every base and every church and every base leader and every petition. Uh, so actually they, they sent me pictures from our house of prayer in Reynosa. And they were praying for uh, they were praying for Livingston. People that will probably never come here are, are praying. Little grandmothers in the house of prayer praying for Livingston, praying for the U.S., praying for revival. This is a family, and we're so glad that you guys are part of that. Honored to get to run together in the uh, run this race together and see the Holy Spirit poured out in the nations. I believe the Lord is giving us an opportunity to see. Tribes that have never had the gospel before reached many of them over these next 10 years. I believe that through the Bible College in Kenya and through some other projects that are beginning in the Middle East and other, other nations, I believe that God is going to give us opportunities to get into places where the gospel has never, where the, the gospel has never been effectively. And thank you for being part of that. Thank you for sowing. Thank you for praying. And I just want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up in what God is doing. I want to share a, a word with you today out of the book of Numbers. Numbers 17, verse 7 through 10. It says this, it says, And Moses deposited the staffs before the Lord in the tent of testimony. On the next day, Moses went into the tent of testimony, and behold, the staff of Aaron... For the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds and produced blossoms, and it bore ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the staffs from before the Lord to all the people of Israel. And they looked, and each man took his staff. And the Lord said to Moses, Put back the staff of Aaron before, uh, before the testimony to be a sign to the rebels that you may make an end to the grumblings again against me, lest they die. This is an interesting passage of Scripture. Because in this passage we find God's anointing establishing supernatural growth. A growth that was out of season and a growth that was really quite extraordinary. There was a rebellion in, in Israel, a rebellion among the people of Israel. They rebelled against God, the rebellion of Korah. This was right after the rebellion of Korah where a lot of the people were, were fighting and didn't want Moses' leadership, didn't believe that Moses was doing a good job, and some, uh, some rebels arose in the nation. Many of the people were caught up in all of that you know, that went on. And so the Lord wanted to establish in Israel, He wanted to establish a, a priesthood, He wanted to establish a leadership structure that the anointing would be upon because He desired this nation to be different than the other nations of the earth. And so for that reason, he tells Moses, now this is how I'm going to establish my leadership structure in Israel. 
I want you to take the staffs of each of the households, and I want you to put them in the tent of testimony, in the tent of meetings. And there in the tent of testimony, the staff that something supernatural happens to, that is where the anointing is going to lie on the household. Okay? So he puts it in there, and Aaron's staff, who God was appointing to become priest, and not just him, but his lineage to be a priestly lineage in Israel, Aaron's staff begins to blossom and produce almonds. Now, this is always an interesting story. I've been meditating on this now for months. And almonds don't grow that way. In the Middle East, if you've ever been to the Middle East uh, and you've seen the almond trees, the almond life cycle is different from other types of trees. Almonds actually produce blossoms before they produce leaves. And they produce blossoms first, then they produce leaves, then they produce the, the, the buds, and then, and then later on they produce the almonds. They're, it's a different, it's a process that takes a long time. It's not something that is possible in a short amount of time. I want you to hear what I'm saying in the spirit now. So in the presence, this dead piece of wood is placed before the ark. It's placed before in the place where the glory dwelled. And as it's placed in the, this atmosphere, this atmosphere of the glory, something supernatural begins to happen in its growth. There's a lot of people who have heard say things like this, we love the stories you're telling, but we don't see how that could possibly be true. Because things have been happening, that, that's too fast, that doesn't make sense. My answer to them is, if you don't believe me, come visit. My answer to them is, if you don't believe me, ask someone who was there. You're going to ask any number of 10 or 15 people who are usually with us when these things happen. And part of it is, what people don't understand, they don't understand how there can be a supernatural acceleration that can defy the laws of, of nature in that regard. Because if you don't understand what happens in the glory... And the powerful acceleration that happens in God's glory, it's very easy to think, oh, uh, that's, that's not possible. That's not possible. There was a man, he was a drug dealer in the town. Some of you may have heard the story. He was a drug dealer in a town that we were planting a church in in South Mexico. His name was Jaime. And uh, he was well known in that community. As, you know, he was the guy everyone went to, went to for drugs. One night... He goes outside of his house and he sees this, it was the middle of the night, no one is out on the street, and he looks out and he sees this burning being, this man, but the man was made of fire. And this man was leaping down the road. Like, he said it was like, he couldn't describe it, he said it was like a, because later on he told me, he said it was like a man, but this man was made of fire. And he flowed and he leapt down the street. And Jaime uh, first thought, well, I must have, taking some bad drugs or something. And then he realized he wasn't high. And he's like, this is real. And he's watching this burning being leaping down the road, and he's, he's looking at this, and he's going, what is this? And so he comes out of his house, and he's like, I've got to figure out, I've got to follow this fire and see what's going on down here. So he follows this burning man that's leaping down the road, and the burning man leads him to the church. And that burning man, I firmly believe, was the Holy Spirit. 
It was the fire of the Holy Spirit manifesting, manifesting in, a, in a very tangible way so that this drug dealer in the community could see, literally follow the fire to the church. Hey, so there he went. He goes and follows the fire to the church, and he doesn't know what to do with what he's seeing. And then the burning man takes him to this building where we were planting a church, where we've since planted a church. And at that time, there was no sign up. There was no, uh, it, it had just begun. And it was just a small little group of people meeting in this little uh, this event center owned by the couple that was pastoring the church. And there was no sign. There was nothing up. And he's going out there, middle of the night, standing in front of his house, looking around, wondering, where did the burning man go? Where is the fiery man? And then he kind of comes to, and he's like, I need to get away from these people's house because they're going to think, if they come out, they're going to think I'm going to rob them. So he runs back to his house, and he couldn't sleep because all he could think was, where did the burning man go? Who was that fiery man? Who was that burning being I saw yesterday? Who was he? The next morning he, come, he wakes up and he, he goes to the pastor's house, knocks on the door and he said, I was here at your house last night because I followed this fiery man down the road. And this fiery man led me to your house. Do you know who? And he describes this fiery being. And, and I want to tell you, I'm so thankful for our, our Mexican pastors that that is completely normal to them. Because a lot of them came out, got saved out of stuff like that and got saved out of, had radical encounters. And they're like, oh, I know who that is. That's the Holy Spirit. Jesus brought you here because Jesus wants to save you. So Jaime comes into our pastor. We were doing a pastor's conference. And he comes into our pastor's conference, gets delivered his very first time in church from demons, a lot of demons. Then after getting delivered, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, or gets saved, then gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and we baptized him at the end of the conference. Jaime did the school of ministry, he did leader school in October, yeah, did leader school in October, now Jaime is one of the most solid leaders in his church. Just a moment in the presence, just a moment in the glory of the Lord can take dead wood and make it grow. Now these staffs that Moses took from the different leaders of the tribes, they were dead wood. Aaron's staff was dead wood. No telling, these staffs were, it wasn't just a, a walking cane. These were staffs that were passed down from fathers to sons. This was staffs that represented not just one man's walking cane, but it represented households, things that had been passed down, that had wood that had been dead for a really long time, wood that had been cut off, wood that had no life flow in it. And it's interesting, it probably wasn't even almond wood. Think about that for a minute. <laughs> Might not have even been almond wood. It could have been anything. And this dead wood staff, once it was in the presence of the Lord, it began to grow. And it began to multiply. It produced leaves. Produced leaves that represent new life. It, present, it began to produce buds. All of these things happen at different times in the life cycle of the almond. Never at the same time. Leaves, buds, flowers, and full-grown almonds. All of these things begin to happen and there is an acceleration when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. When we allow Him to move in us, He can begin to accelerate things in a supernatural sort of way. 
We need to spend time in the presence because when we spend time in the presence, we begin to get fruitful. We begin to demonstrate supernatural fruitfulness in our lives the more time we spend in the presence. I want to tell you, one of the biggest problems I see in the church today is that there's a lot of people that are busy and doing a lot of things, but that don't have time for the, to spend in the glory. I want to tell you, no amount of activity is a substitute for time spent in the glory. The Lord has been convicting me. We had a, we've had an amazing, these last three or four months, the Lord has been doing something really special. We had a speaker come, his name was John Pena, some of you might remember him. His name, he is a Bible leaks oil, and uh, it's happened for a number of years, a really humble guy from Peru, and his Bible has leaked oil, and uh, you know, John and I have looked at that Bible, examined it, can't find a tube or hose anywhere in there that produces that oil. It's real, it's a divine move of God. Well, he calls me one day, and he said, hey, um, I want to bring a friend of mine, he said, I'm pretty sure that the, uh, I received the anointing for people getting gold teeth when this man prayed for me. He's like, this man is, he said, this man has an, a sign, anointing for signs and wonders like I've never seen. Now when the guy whose Bible leaks oil says, I want to bring a guy who has an anointing like you've never seen, I'm like, I don't know who he is, bring him. So they come and, you know, and I'm expecting a lot of the, you know, the, the fire and the hype and the, the thing, and fun stuff, it's good. But it comes and this man begins to preach. His name was uh, Denardi, Jose Denardi. And he stands up and for, preaches for two hours. And the entire time all he does is, is weep. Couldn't, I, I've never seen somebody weep for that long with a smile on their face. And I'm standing there looking at this and going, I've not seen the, for days preaching with refugees, the same. With our church in Reynosa, the same. And I began just to cry out, and all he talked about, he was one of the first ones from Brazil to go and receive the, the Toronto blessing. He was the first, he actually said he was one of the first Brazilian pastors to go, and now Brazil is just on fire. They said they're planting 200-something churches a day uh, in Brazil. And I'm like, I want some of that. And he's sharing about intimacy with God, and he shares something. He said for the last 20-something years since he went to the revival, the Holy Spirit would wake him up at 5 o'clock in the morning every morning, and speak to him for hours. And he said, and that's when everything changed. When he stepped in a place of intimacy. And I remember sitting there in, in that meeting and saying, God, I love you. I love you so much, and I've, I want to spend more time with you. And I began to say, Lord, you, you know my life, and you know where my, uh, my kids get me up and this and this. And all I began to tell the Lord all the reasons why. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, what if I just wake you up? He said, what if I wake you up? He said, because if I wake you up, you won't feel tired. And I said, Lord, I, I, I believe I'd like that. Next morning at 5 o'clock in the morning, I sit straight up. And I try to go back to sleep because I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten what I'd said the day before. And I try to go back to sleep. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me and he says, I thought this is what you asked for. So for the next couple of weeks, the Lord was waking me up 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning. And I want to tell you, I felt an energy that I've never felt before. And some of you are like, whoa, because I have a high energy level already. 
But I'm a, very, I'm a very excited person. But when the Lord began to wake me up in the morning, it was like that tiredness began to break off. That tiredness, because I had begun to feel this, this, just, this exhaustion, this tiredness of the, the pace that I'd been keeping and some of those things and just the attacks and the warfare and all those things. Because I'm going to tell you, that stuff gets on you. You can feel it after a while. But as the Lord began to wake me up at that time, 5 o'clock in the morning, sometimes 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm not saying it's been every morning, but I'm saying there's been a, t- a pl- thing that's happened where God has been inviting me into that secret place, and He's been saying, I want you now to just ask me to do it in a supernatural way. Things begin to accelerate. There is another level of acceleration that I believe God is calling us to as His church. But it will require another level of intimacy in the presence of God. For us to be able to walk in everything that God has for us as a ministry, as a church, and as a movement, it will require another level of depth of intimacy. We cannot survive in this new season with the manna from the previous season. When God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, He brought them into a place where He provided for their needs on a daily basis. Out of His glory, He provided for their needs. But there was a principle and something He a principle He taught them through this that the manna, I love the word manna, it literally means what is this? It's a, it's a funny, funny word. It literally means what is this? They didn't know what it was, and it was like somebody decided it was edible, and they knew it came from God. This bread that blanketed the ground. But this bread that blanketed the ground had to be thrown out every night, had to be eaten that day and thrown out that night, and had to be received anew the next day. It couldn't be stored. It couldn't be contained. It couldn't be set apart for tomorrow. It was something that had to be received fresh daily. And I want to believe, I want to tell you, church, the Holy Spirit is inviting us into a place where we will have to receive manna, fresh manna, out of the presence of God on a daily basis. Because if we are not receiving the fresh manna, we will not be able to withstand the challenges that will be in front of us. We are in a day where there is great growth in the kingdom. What has happened in these last ten, over this last ten years I would, uh, what, uh, in the ministry has been supernatural. There's somewhere around 60-something Kaleo churches now. That have been planted in around 11 or 12, 12 different nations now. And that's not including the guys in some of the other nations that we work in. We don't know how many there are in some places. Some of the original networks we started, we don't know how many there are. Because it's very remote and very difficult to get to. But we know they continue. It's been supernatural. Many new churches are being established. But I want to tell you, this is just the beginning. Of what the Holy Spirit desires to do through us. But it will require something of us. It will require us to press in for fresh manna from heaven. God calls us to be fruitful. But that fruitfulness must be birthed out of a place of intimacy with the Lord. If we are not in daily communion with the Lord, how can we expect to bear supernatural fruit? God has called us into a place of great fruitfulness. But in order to bear the fruit that He has called us to bear, we must be willing to make the sacrifices necessary to live in that place of the glory. Because as we live in the glory, fruitfulness will begin to happen around us. Oftentimes our mentality is wrong. Because the mentality says we should work hard so that we see fruit. 
the reality of the kingdom is this. You spend time in intimacy, and out of the place of intimacy with the Lord, fruitfulness comes. And then comes the work. I want to tell you, there is nothing we can do, there's no amount of work we can possibly do to bring the fruitfulness that is brought out of the intimacy with God. Nothing. There's no amount of work. Works do not lead us to a place of fruitfulness. Intimacy with the Holy Spirit leads us to fruitfulness. But fruitfulness actually then leads us to a place where work is necessary. Do you understand what I'm saying? The kingdom is, is opposite of how the world operates. Fruitfulness is birthed out of intimacy. But out of the place of fruitfulness then comes the work. And the work is this, bring in the harvest that God has called us to. The work is then raise up the spiritual sons and daughters that have now been birthed out of the place of intimacy with Him. My wife and I have two little children. We love our kids. They are wonderful. But I want to tell you, children are a blessing from the Lord, but they are also meant to stretch us. How many parents can say amen on that? Children stretch us. Children grow us. Children require us, require a lot of work. And when you have a blessing from the Lord, that blessing from the Lord then requires an investment of time. But if you're not careful, you can forsake the connection with your spouse that actually brought about the fruitfulness to begin with. How many marriages have you ever seen where people are falling in love, they're so in love, they have kids, and then after life happens and they begin to grow apart and the kids go away to school and next thing you know, mom and dad that have been married 25 years get divorced. We see that more and more and more. Why is that? Because the first love that it was actually what birthed the fruitfulness was neglected. And where first love is neglected, it actually destroys what was meant to be generational fruitfulness. It actually ends up crippling the ones that you are meant to bless. And if you've been through divorce, this is in no way a condemnation on you. If you've been through divorce, there is grace from the Lord. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm going after today. But what I'm going after is this. We are seeing fruitfulness. First church, you are seeing fruitfulness. But I want to tell you what that fruitfulness is birthed out of. It has been birthed out of intimacy with Jesus. It has been birthed out of years of leaders that have prayed and cried out for what is being seen, what you're seeing now. Every time I come in here, I get a little bit teary-eyed walking into this building because I remember talking with Craig and the vision that Craig had for this, and the vision that Craig had for the Appalachian Awakening, and what was birthed here out of a place of intimacy with Jesus. Now, the rest of us, we get to put in the hours and the work necessary now to see that go to another level, but we can never, ever, ever come to a place where we forget about the intimacy that brought us to the place where we are now. Because if we do that, we will lose the advances we've made. Guys, I believe the Holy Spirit is calling us back to a place of intimacy unto fruitfulness again. 
I believe the Holy Spirit is inviting us in to go deeper than we've ever gone before and to press in to prayer and to fasting and crying out, not just for a, a new move, but crying out for the intimacy to be restored, for the fire and the anointing in our hearts to be sustained and be kindled again that gives us the strength we need to continue the move that He has already begun. I've been in a lot of meetings, and I'm getting tired of it, meetings where everyone is praying for revival, God send revival, God send revival. These meetings about, oh, do it again, light the fire again, do the revival again, bring a revival again. I'm like, at some point, we just have to decide to be revived. At some point, we just have to decide... Are we going to stay revived or are we just going to go from cycles of revival to dying again, to figuring it out again, to getting revived again, to waking up again, to falling asleep again? At some point we have to decide, are we going to sustain what we have received? At some point we need to wake up and be revived. And we need to decide we're not going to let go of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to go back to what we were before. At some point, we just have to decide, are we going to live it or not? And I believe what the Lord is saying to you here today is awake, awaken, arise, arise, decide in your heart that this fire that has been birthed within you of the Holy Ghost will never be put out. Decide within your heart that you will never go back to the manna of yesteryear, but that you will go forward and you will receive new manna from the throne room on a daily basis. The decision to be fruitful in the kingdom is a decision to continue to go back into the presence of God, to live in the presence of God, and to birth, whew, birth out of the presence of God. To sustain a move of the Holy Spirit, we need intimacy, unshakable intimacy with the presence. And we need to bear fruit, the fruit of arrival, the fruit of the presence. Aaron's staff began to bear fruit, and that fruitfulness was a sign to the nation. People could recognize that God was upon him, was upon that family, because they could see evidence of the fruitfulness in his hand. What is the fruit that God is seeking? The fruit that God is seeking is not just numerical growth, although numerical growth will be part of it. It's not just sending out new missionaries, planting new churches, although that will be part of it. That is part of the fruit. An enormous part of the fruit that God desires to birth in us in the presence is actually fruit that is our character changes. Our lives begin to change. Our families begin to change. There's a fruit of, of growth in ministry, and honestly, that requires a lot of work. I, 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 travel, I have to travel a lot because of the fruitfulness that God is giving this ministry. And I want to tell you, it's a great joy for me. I love it. I love getting, I get to go all over the world and be with friends and family. It's so much fun. I was in Spain, I felt like I was with family. I was with family. I was in Canada with family. Here with you, it feels like being with family. Every, I go back home, I'm in Mexico, I'm with family. There's, but there is work that comes with growth. 
But I want to tell you, that's not just the only type of growth that God is looking for in us. The type of growth that God really wants to birth in us is actually a growth, an inner growth of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. See, that's the growth that doesn't necessarily, that conference, that won't, that won't fill up a conference. A growth, uh, conference about spiritual growth. Talk about signs, wonders, and miracles. Oh, that'll fill out a, a conference. People will come to a training like that. But what the Holy Spirit is really looking for in us is growth of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I want you to go with me to the book of John. Chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. It says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the, the, is the husbandman. Every branch that in me bears no fruit, he cuts off. But he prunes every branch that bears fruit, so that it bears even more fruit. You are already clean because the word I have given you remain in me, and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself, but it must remain on the vine, so you cannot bear fruit if you do not remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me as I in him will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He who does not abide in me is discarded and withers like branches that are gathered and thrown into the fire. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified when you bear much fruit and thus show that you are my disciples. So now we see the New Testament fulfillment of the prophetic picture that happened when Aaron's staff budded. Aaron's staff that was a dead staff, dead wood, budded when it was connected into the presence of God. And then Jesus stands up and he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Paul says that we were like wild olive branches grafted into the shoot, grafted into the, the tree. Dead branches, dead that were once cut off and now grafted in, now brought into new life, now connected into the source. And Jesus says, I am the vine. And he says, you are the branches. I want to tell you something. In order for us to live and bear much fruit, we must have a heart connection with Jesus. And maybe today there are some people here that are going, I, I don't really know whether I'm born again or not. If you're here today and you're like, I have heard of religion, but as far as an actual connection with Jesus, I don't know that I have that. And I tell you, I've gone all over the world, been in 50-something nations preaching this gospel, and I can't tell you how many Christians I have seen get born again. Christians, sometimes even pastors, that have come to me and said things like this, I don't know if I died tomorrow if I would go to heaven or not. I don't actually know Jesus. Guys, this, this is a great danger. This is a grave danger, especially for those of us who live in the Bible Belt, who are, who are raised and in some degree inoculated against a true form of Christianity by a overexposure to religion. There are so many people, precious people, created in the image of God who have been inoculated by religion to the point where 
they don't recognize that their dead branches cut off from the source, cut off from the vine. I want to tell you something. If you don't have a living, dynamic relationship with Jesus in your heart, Today is the day you need to get connected in to that source of life. You need to get connected in to the vine that is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who that he is connected with me will bear much fruit. You don't see the branch that is connected to Jesus struggling to bear fruit. It just does it. Now, I'm not saying everything about bearing good fruit in the kingdom is easy. It still requires work. But here's the thing. When you are connected in with Jesus, the life power of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, flows through you. The third member of the Trinity, actually, His power flows through you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. It is impossible to not bear fruit if you really are connected to Jesus. It's it's impossible. You really cannot go back to who you were. You really cannot go back to the things that you came out of. I'm not saying you can't fall. I'm not saying you can't make a mistake. But to go back fully to live that kind of life, once you've really been connected to Jesus, it's impossible. It's impossible impossible to not bear fruit once you know Him. But the problem is a lot of people think they know Him, but they don't know Him. God is calling us not just to be connected to religion, but to truly be connected to the fullness and power of Jesus. Because when you're connected with Him, you will bear fruit. Your life will change. How you treat your family will change. How you interact with other people will change. The love you have for other people will change. People will be able to look at you and they will see love. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things the Bible says there is no law. That's the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is not just numerical growth, although that's part of it. It happens. And I believe we're going to experience a lot more of that over these next few years. We're believing to see churches planted all over the United States, all over Europe, all over Canada, Latin America, Africa, Middle East, everywhere. We want to see many people come to Jesus. But the purpose of this is not just to grow numbers of people that sit inside of a church, but to connect more dead branches in to Jesus Christ himself. Because when these dead branches, like you and I were dead branches at one point in our lives, get connected in to the vine that is Jesus Christ, there will come a supernatural growth and fruitfulness. Things that were impossible before become possible. Things that could not happen in your life become possible when you're connected in to the vine that is Jesus Christ. But we need to recognize the moment that we are living in right now. Some of you remember in Reynosa, we started a refugee center. We started it a little less than two years ago. And it was a, a word from the Lord that we needed to take in the refugees. And we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know how we would do it. We didn't know how we would pay for it. We didn't even know where we would put the people. 
but the Lord told me take in 500 refugees that were in our city. I didn't know what to do with them. We live in Mexico. We had thousands upon thousands of refugees coming to our city. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know where to put them. And I remember being in a refugee camp that had capacity for like 600 people, and they had over 1,200 people living inside, wall-to-wall tents, and hundreds of people outside. I saw the need. I talked to the people. My heart was broken. I came to the pastor that ran the center, and I said, we have to do something. I said, what can I do? He said, I don't know. And he looks at me, and he said, he said I, I told him, I don't, I, he said, I, I don't know what I can do. And I look at my wife, and the pastor says, there's 500 people outside these gates that are trying to get in here. And he said, I can't take anyone else. I look at my wife, then I say, can I give her that look that says, I'm about to do something that's either God or really stupid. <laughs> and uh, she nods, like, go for it. And I said, we'll take them. He looks at me and says, where are you going to put 500 people? I said, I don't know. But I said, we'll take them. Long story short, we just simply volunteered. We said, Lord, we'll do it. We see the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. There's people, 500-something people every day with family, mothers with little children that are trying to have a safer place than living on the streets with their babies and bring them into a place where there was at least a wall, some level of security. And he said he couldn't take any more, so I said, we'll, we'll take it. Now, I'm not here to get into the political side of things. That's not what we do. But when I see babies on the street, they don't have a place to say, I don't care, Democrat, Republican, and in between, we're Jesus followers. And if babies are on the street, we need to take them in. And so we looked and we said, we'll, we'll take them. We didn't know how we would do it. Ended up meeting with all these different people from, I called them all the acronym organizations. All the acronym people, UN and UNHCR, all these different people, they all have acronyms. Big names, big acronyms, things like that. And we're in the meeting with all these people because I'd said we would take 500 refugees. And the people were they're all talking about their budgets and their strategies and their plans and their, their threat analysis and all these different things they're going through. And I'm just sitting there going, how did I get in this meeting? And then they have me share. The bring comes to me, and they're like, Pastor Josh, can you share what your, minister, what your organization's about to do? And I'm thinking, I have no idea what we're about to do. I just simply said, well, I'm a pastor of a church and leader of a missions organization, and uh, we're going to take in 500 refugees. Could have heard a pin drop in that room. Everyone's just looking at me like, you're going to do what? I said, well, we're going to take, I feel like we're supposed to take in these 500 people that Pastor Hector can't take. Uh, because there's no space, we'll take those people. And they're all kind of talking among themselves. And they all kind of look at me like I'm crazy. And during the coffee break, someone walks up to me and they said, we want to see um, where you're going to put these people. I said, sure, I'll show you. And I take them and show them the churches. And they see the churches. And then I, rem- and I, I said, you know, the, we don't think these places will work. And I said, well, I've got one more place. It's this little piece of land in the middle of nowhere, it's by the river, and it's just the cactuses, mesquite trees, and rattlesnakes right now, and tarantulas, but maybe we could do something there. I take them out there, and they're like, do you realize that this is five minutes from where the the government is going to move the entire population of refugees that are camping in the plaza? We're moving them five minutes walk from here. They said, what's your budget? I said, well, counting the $5,000 that someone gave me this week to build this or to, uh, to do something for the refugees, I have $5,000 we can put toward this. They look at me. Really? They said, what do you need? 
And I start, I list off, I said, well, we're going to need walls, we're going to need dormitories, we're going to need bathrooms, we're going to need this, we're going to need a well, we're going to need this and this and this. Next thing we know, money's coming in, walls are being, going up, dormitories are being built. We opened the refugee center, and since that time we opened, we built it in three months, three months, four months, something like that. Three months, was it? Yeah, three months. Three to four months we built um, five dormitories, bathrooms, shower blocks, everything like that. Um, crews working seven days a week. And from that time till now, we've had over 4,000, over 4,000 refugees that have come through our center. Bridget's part of the, the team there. And every single one of them heard the gospel. Many of them have been baptized, and many thousands more through our tent crusades we're doing, many thousands more have also heard the gospel, been delivered from demons, and been saved, and some of them even been baptized. You see, there's no limit to what God can do in a very short amount of time. This is less than two years. 4,000-something people have heard the gospel from almost every Central and South American nation and the Caribbean, mostly Haitians, have heard the gospel in just the space of less than two years. Some of them now have gone back to their country. Some are in Mexico. Some are, have gotten asylum in the U.S. And they're calling and they're saying, Pastor, when are we going to open up Kaleo churches? We got saved here. When are we going to open up one in Florida? When are we going to open up one in California? When are we? And I'm like, we need laborers for the harvest to open up. So any of you, if any of you speak Haitian Creole and want to pastor a Haitian Creole speaking church or a Spanish speaking church, there are job openings. But all of this was birthed out of what? Out of an intimacy with the presence. See, when we looked and we saw that situation, we saw the need. My heart was moved by love, which is the fruit of the Holy Spirit and compassion. And I just simply was led by faith to say, we'll do something. Guys, the fruit of the Holy Spirit has practical and tangible applications in your daily life. So this is what a lot of people don't understand. They think, oh, if I spend time with Jesus and I become a believer, then I'm just going to become a nicer person. It's a lot more than just becoming a nicer person. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, there is tangible application in our daily life. Fruit of the Holy Spirit, what is love? What does it look like to love your neighbor? What does love look like in your daily life? What does love look like, especially with maybe your neighbor that you don't get along with so well? What does it look like in your family, maybe that don't know the gospel yet? Maybe even the people in your life that are mean. What does it look like to love those who don't love you back? You see, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is also tested in our life. Because when we come to know Jesus, we need, that fruit begins to be birthed. And we begin to respond differently toward that unbelieving family we may, we may have. Toward people that treat us badly. Love is practical. Love is tangible. It's one thing to say we love people, but unless we also are willing to be the hands and feet of Jesus toward our neighbors that are struggling, suffering, and hurting. Now, I'm not saying you have to go fix every problem in the world at once. But you can fix the problem that's immediately in front of you. You can help the ones that God brings in your path. Love is tangible and it must have practical application. Love, joy. What does the fruit of joy woo, look like in your life? 
Does it mean you run around laughing everywhere? Well, perhaps. That's part of it. That's why we believe so much in the joy of the Lord. It's supernatural. It's powerful. We don't apologize for the joy. We never can apologize for the joy of the Lord. In Reynosa, we had the, the joy of the Lord was breaking out in our church. It was beautiful. It was powerful. And one of my, uh, the pastor who is like, she's, she leads that section of churches. Her name is Gabby. Some of you know her. Uh, amazing woman of God, planted a number of churches, and she leads the churches in that section. Um, the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is anywhere within a 10-mile vicinity, he is going to hit Gabby. And she'll be on the floor. And it's, you know, people ask, where's the senior pastor? Now there she is over there. You know, the, so she's going to get touched by the Holy Spirit. Well, there was one meeting we were having with all of these other denominations and pastors and all these high-level people, suits and ties, those guys. Really nice, nice folks, but very not charismatic. And it was this unity meeting we were having. And we were part of this, you know, part of this team. And so there's me and about you know, three or four of the Kaleo pastors that we come and ever since Sunday, Gabby had been completely wrecked by the Holy Spirit. They were carry, it carried her out on Sunday, and she couldn't stop laughing. And you look at Gabby, she'd fall over laughing. Just the, the joy was just so much on her. And we're in this meeting with all these, these Methodists and the, the, the Pentecostal guys, very few Pentecostals, mostly like Methodist, Baptist, um, what was the other? Church of Christ, Adventist. Adventist, all these different groups were there. Serious guys, and I look over, and uh, Gabby comes walking in with some of the other pastors, and as soon as I see her, I can tell this is she is completely knocked out by the Holy Spirit. She couldn't stop laughing, and she's in this meeting, and she takes a napkin and she puts it over her face because she's laughing so hard she couldn't stop laughing, and 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 I'll, I'll be honest. I was looking at how awkward this made everything with all these other pastors. They're all just—they're all kind of fidgeting uncomfortably, and I remember almost apologizing. I almost made a very big mistake. I caught myself about to say these words, guys. I'm sorry, and I felt the anger of the Lord burning against me. He said, "Do not ever apologize for what I'm doing, because if you do that, you will lose the anointing." I said, then what do I do? He said, just explain it and ask them if they want it. So I did. <laughs> I said, the Holy Spirit has been moving like this in our church, and uh, if you guys want it, come talk to me afterwards. And they're like, okay, <laughs> moving right along. Love, joy. Joy is not just what we experience during good times. Joy is the strength of the Lord that also gets us through the difficult times and through the bad times. Peace. Peace also has a practical application. How do you have peace even in situations where there's chaos around you? I've been in moments and times in my life where there was a lot of chaos. And in those moments, that's where I had to press into the peace of the Lord like I never have before. I feel like there are some people here that you actually feel like you've been walking through a storm in your life. And that there's been just chaos all around you. And it's, it's a word of knowledge, but I feel like there's been people here that have been just walking through a storm. And that storm, you felt so much chaos around you. And you've not been able, uh, you almost feel like you can't hear God in the middle of this storm. And you've been frustrated. And you've been contemplating quitting. And you've been praying prayers like this. God, where are you? 
And to you I have a word. The Lord Jesus, when he sent the disciples into the storm, he stood on the mountain. They couldn't see him, but he could see them. And from the mountain he watched them until it was the proper moment for him to come walking on the water. And I really, this is a word of knowledge for someone here today that though the, that you are in the middle of a storm and you're in the middle of the storm and you're looking and you can't see him, the Lord says to you, I see you. I see you in the, I see you in the midst of the storm. Hold on for a few more minutes because he's about to come walking on the water through the midst of the storm over the winds and the waves. In fact, if that's you, stand to your feet. If you're here and you're going, I am walking through a storm, real quick, stand to your feet. The Holy Spirit is wanting to do something right now. There's, uh, there's probably several people like this. Father, in the name of Jesus, raise up your hands. I just feel like the Lord is releasing his grace on you. If you're around them, just lay hands on them real fast. Whoa. Father, we break off right now discouragement. We break off discouragement. And Father, we speak right now a supernatural peace. Peace of the kingdom of God flowing in their lives, flowing in their hearts. Right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, the weapon of their warfare is to have peace in the midst of the storm, peace in the midst of the chaos. Father, we thank you for the way that you're about to come walking on the water in their circumstance and in their situation. Michael and Amanda, I feel the Lord saying over you both that you endured the storm. Get ready to see Jesus come walking on the winds and the waves. And I feel like the Lord says to you that the weapons that he forged during the fire of adversity are going to be the weapons that you will use in the next season. You will use in the next season, and you're going to train others how to have peace in the midst of adversity and how to have peace in the midst of the storm. And though the storm may, may, may buffet you and the storm may be around you, the Lord has established you with a deep sense of peace. And we come against right now, whoa, we come against right now every discouragement, every cloud of discouragement that the enemy would try to bring. Right now, and we declare the weapon of peace, the weapon of the warfare, the weapon of worship that has been established through you. The Lord is going to use that, and that's going to be multiplied in the lives of many others. And I also hear the Lord saying to tell you that you've not seen anything yet. Get ready to see multiplication through your hands. Get ready to see the Lord multiply food in your hands, multiply resources in your hands, and multiply disciples. And the things that the Lord spoke that were words that were aborted, that were aborted by the actions of man, I hear the Lord saying that he's about to give a new birth. 
He's about to give a new birth to the vision that was from God, that is from God, that was aborted by the actions of man. God is going to give a new birth to. And sometimes after you've walked through a season of the death of a vision, it actually prepares you to value and treasure the vision that God is about to give you to a greater measure. And you're going to be people that are going to treasure, treasure, treasure the vision that God gives you. Whoo! Because you know what it's like to live death of a vision. And that's providing, it's putting a depth of intimacy in your hearts and a depth, a depth of intimacy in your walk that not a lot of leaders have. And I bless that in you. I bless that over your lives right now. And we just publicly, we honor you for stepping out. We honor you for stepping out in faith. And we as a family come around you and we declare over you right now, who? We declare the goodness of the Lord and we declare, hey, the calling of God and we reaffirm the call of God on your lives. That the Lord is not finished with you yet. Come on, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. The Lord is breaking off depression off of people. Come, Holy Spirit. The Lord gave me a dream when I was in Canada. The Holy Spirit's going to continue to minister to people. We bless you. If you're being touched by the Lord, you stay in that place. But I feel like the Lord, I need to share this word, and then we're going to move in some time of ministry. If I have somebody come and play something. I was in Canada a couple weeks ago, and I was preaching in a number of churches up in the up in the kind of far northeastern provinces of Canada. And uh, I had a dream while I was there, the first night I was there. And it was one of those dreams, I don't know if you ever had a dream like this before, but uh, a lot of things were happening around me, but I felt like I couldn't fight it off because I felt paralyzed in the dream. And I felt paralyzed in the dream, and I felt stuck, and I felt like I couldn't do anything. And I woke up the next morning, and I was rebuking the devil. I thought that was a, that was a demonic attack is what I thought it was. And then as I was praying, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, that was not a demonic attack. That is the condition of my church. Paralyzed. Paralyzed through lack of intimacy. Paralyzed through lack of connection. Not able to bear fruit, walking in depression, bound by oppression, bound by addiction, stuck. Bound in mental illness. Oh. Through lack of intimacy and connection with my spirit. Then I said, Lord, what do I do? What do I say? He said, break off the spirit of paralysis. And declare a new life in the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, that was one of the few places I've been in Canada where almost the entire, every night, almost every, every night, people, 100%, 80%, 90% of the people would answer the altar calls and say, I have felt stuck. Never been in meetings like that in the West where it was like almost everyone was coming forward saying, I am stuck, I feel stuck, and I need to get unstuck. And I feel like the Lord is sending me here with that word today. Come out, come out. Ho, coming and sending me in with that word today for you. That some people here, you feel stuck. 
The Lord is breaking off the spirit of paralysis off His church. And He is replacing it with the fruit of His Spirit. Hey, some things need to be cast out. Some things need to be displaced. And I feel like today the Lord is going to do both. There are some people here that have struggled and you have been diagnosed with mental illness. You've been diagnosed with conditions. All the different acronyms, they've declared it over you. Doctors have said you're depressed. We had a lady in our church in in South Texas. She came to the church. She looked like she was about to die. I honestly didn't think she was getting anything out of what we were preaching because she was completely deadpan. And one day we prayed for her. I don't even remember. It wasn't very eventful. We just prayed for her. And a few days or a week or so later, she comes back and she says, Can I give a testimony? We're like, Sure, but I want to hear what it is first. She said, I was taking 25 pills a day, 25 different medicines a day, medicines to wake me up, medicines to help me sleep, medicines to calm me down, medicines to to get me going again, medicines for my heart, medicines for my liver, medicines for my kidneys. She had high blood pressure. She had hypertension. She had um, diabetes. Her kidneys were about to shut down. She had horrible circulation her hands had turned blue her fingernails were black her toenails were black her feet were blue because the circulation was so bad the doctor said you're about to go on dialysis and then she came to church and I thought she wasn't getting anything out of it because you just sat there kind of deadpan but then God touched her then God healed her and then she goes back to the doctor and suddenly she the doctor says we're going to run some tests because we have you on all these medicines, but you're, they, the t- test we just did shows you have functioning kidneys. If this is working, we need to check your medicines again. They did a full test, a full, you know, all the different, you know, tests on her. They're like, your kidneys are healed. You have the kidneys of a young person. Your circulation is back. Her fingernails that had been black before had turned normal again. Her hands that had been blue and purple had turned normal again. All the depression, the anxiety, all the things she'd been diagnosed with, they took her off the medicines and all of a sudden she's perfectly normal again. She brought her whole family into church. I baptized her a few weeks later. Her family came into the church. Her, you know, her son began to come to church. Her niece and her sisters and everybody began to come to the church. She had a whole section filled out of our little church there. 25 pills a day, gone after one encounter with the glory. One encounter with the glory can deliver you from a lifetime. A lifetime of addiction can deliver you from a lifetime of diagnosis and infirmity. Some things need to be delivered. Some things need to be cast out. Some things need to be displaced. This is what I want you to hear in the spirit. We're going to cast out some things today. But I also feel it's time to displace some things today. There are some people here that you've been struggling with some stuff and the Lord is saying to you, you don't need to cast it out. It's already been cast out. You need to replace it. You need to replace it. What are you replacing it with? The fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. See, that is a great displacement of what used to control you 
Now the Lord replaces it and puts within you the fruit of His Spirit. But I want to tell you, that's not something I can do for you. Jesus has given us authority to cast out demons. But I cannot impart fruit to you. I cannot impart fruitfulness into your life. Only the Holy Spirit, only intimacy with Him can impart fruitfulness. I can cast a demon out of you. If you have a sickness in your body, we can pray for God to do a miracle and we can lay hands on you. But I cannot give to you fruitfulness. So that's something you have to get yourself. You have to decide, are you going to displace and replace? Are you going to displace that which is illegally trespassing in you? Are you going to displace it and then replace it with the fruit of the Spirit? which you cannot conjure up on your own. You can't work it up on your own. There's no way Aaron could have made his staff bud. He just had to lay it down in the presence. Moses just had to lay it down in the presence. Come on, hear this prophetically. I feel like this is a a word of prophecy to some of you today. Some people have been paralyzed. The Lord says, get unstuck. But what are you going to do after you get unstuck? What are you going to do? What are you going to do after you get unstuck? You have to decide to run. You have to decide to press into the presence. You have to decide what kind of manna are you going to fill your belly with every day? What kind of manna are you going to use to feed your spirit man? So today I want to break off that spirit of paralysis off the church. I even feel like there's some of you that have had, like specifically have, have had that dream where you could not move. And like you, there's like a night paralysis. There's a word of knowledge. There's someone that's here that's had like a night paralysis where at night you, you, you almost can feel demons, but you can't do anything. Uh, if that's you, the Lord Jesus is, is going to deliver you today. Night paralysis. Specifically that person. If that, has anyone here had that? Like where you've had a dream where you're stuck? Come. I want you to come. You guys be the first. Please come. Come quick. Come, come on. Yeah. Yeah, where you felt completely stuck and completely unable. It's actually a spirit of death and paralysis that we're going to break off. I want you guys just to line up right here, and we're going to break it off. Yeah. Now we're going we're gonna to break this one off. Ooh, stand right here. I want some of the leaders to come in behind them. We're going to pray generally over people that feel stuck and paralyzed in a minute. But this is specifically for the ones that have had this dream. This is a a demonic dream. It's a demonic thing at night where you see people feel stuck. All right. I want you to pray this with me. Say this with me. Say, in the name of Jesus, I reject the spirit of death. I reject that over my life right now by the power of the name of Jesus. No, I'm going to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, we break off the spirit of paralysis. We break off the spirit of death. Come out. Come out. Come out. Come out. Come out in Jesus' name. Come out. We break it off right now. The spirit of paralysis, we break off right now by the authority of the name of Jesus. We cast that out right now in Jesus' name. We break the 
premature death. I break the curses of premature death.
Joy of the Lord. Wow. This was specifically for the ones that have had these dreams. But I just feel like the Lord is now inviting, if you feel stuck spiritually, if you feel stuck in any way, shape, or form, if you feel paralyzed for any reason, the Lord wants to displace and replace. He wants to invite you in to connect with Him. If that's you, I just want to invite you, just come to the front. Come. Come. You can kneel. You can lay down on the floor. Or you can. Or we can pray for you. I want to invite the ministry team to come. We want to pray for you. If you're here and you're going, I feel stuck. And I feel like specifically there's some people that have had a diagnosis of mental illness. Someone specifically has been diagnosed just um, like bipolar. Bipolar, and I just feel like the Lord wants to heal that. And I feel like the Lord also wants to let you know that He wants to heal your heart. That that's not your identity, that's not who you are. And it's if you're here and you're saying, I feel paralyzed, I want to get unstuck, would you just come to the front right now? And if you're struggling with any kind of mental illness or anything like that, the Lord wants to heal that. Any, any words of knowledge or anything? Yeah. Come on to the front. If you're here and you're saying, I want to get unstuck. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're opening the altar now, so just come on and receive. If you've got to go, I realize it's late. We bless you. There's no shame. We bless you to leave. You're dismissed. But right now, we're just going to go after the Lord and respond to this powerful message and uh, allow Jesus to touch us. So just begin to come forward as you feel led.